KLVZ and KLVZ HD Brighton, KLVZ FM on 94.3 and 95.3 and streaming at legends953.com. Welcome to the Garden Wise Show with Colorado's most knowledgeable and entertaining garden experts, the Garden Wise Guys, Keith Funk and Jim Borland. Get ready for gardening tips that you can use right now. New plants, hot products, and the latest from horticultural science. The lines are open, so call into the Legend Studio now. 303-477-2473. 303-477-2473. On the air since 1994, the Garden Wise Guys have the answers to your questions about gardening in the high-altitude desert of the Colorado Front Range. And now, here are your hosts, the Garden Wise Guys. And good morning, everybody. It is time for the Garden Wise Show with your Garden Wise guys, Jim Borland and Keith Thunk, right all right here on Legends 810 KLVZ AM 95.3 FM. We're everywhere. Why not? We're everywhere. We should be. <laughs> we are indeed. Hey, good morning again. I'm Jim Borland, one of the Garden Wise guys. And the other one is sitting over there. Good morning, Keith. Good morning, Jim. <clears throat> yeah, what's up? Oh, I don't know. It's yeah, getting what cooler. It, it is getting The nights cooler. are getting chilly. I know. I got a question for you. I know you don't have the answer because I certainly don't. I have a cyclamen at home that I had for years. Yeah. And it puts on one massive bloom one time a year. And it lasts for, you know, a month or more, which is kind of cool. This year, it did its thing in, I don't know, late winter, early spring. A massive bloom. And it's been blooming ever since. It's still in bloom. Wow. It's got like, I don't know, 10, 15 blossoms on it right now. What'd you do to it? I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I did with it. It treated it the same as I have all these past years, and and now it's blooming. I've been waiting for it to go kind of dormant so I can put it back out in the porch and forget about it. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't done that yet. <clears throat> so I don't know what's going on. <coughs> I don't. Well, I don't either. That seems strange. It seems like you must have done something different. You just don't remember. That's entirely possible. <laughs> 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 I saw a kid, I, totally off the subject. <laughs> I had to laugh. The other day I was driving down the road and coming towards me was this flatbed trailer. Empty. Except for two items on the back. Uh-huh. Two yellow Tonka trucks. <laughs> <laughs> Little toy ones? Yeah. Uh-huh. And they were chained down. <laughs> chained down? Yeah. <laughs> I wish I'd had a camera and fast enough to go and and pull him over and say, hold on there, i got to take a picture of this. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> this is so cool. <laughs> oh, well. What's going on in your garden? Um, I, I, I've, uh, I was trying to make a list of things that are still in bloom. I know you always still have things like Plumbago is doing its thing. This oh, my gosh, year, it's which gorgeous. Is really nice. Uh, what else do I have bloom? Oh, and rabbit brush is now starting to come into bloom. Mm-hmm. Not only in my garden, but out in the wild as well. <clears throat> That's always cool to see. Uh, uh, <clears throat> fall colchicums, fall crocus, if you will, are blooming. Yeah. Um, what else? My wife has a bunch of stuff in her perennial bed. Uh, like the flocks are still blooming. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> God. They just don't quit. And a plant I think should be in plant select. Mm-hmm. Ariogonum jamesii. Oh, that is a nice one. It is. And it blooms really late. Mm-hmm. It's now starting to turn, co- the, the flowers are starting to turn color. They go kind of a rusty red color, which is kind of nice too. Um, <clears throat> but they bloom their heads off as they have every year at this time of year. Easy to grow. And uh, no. No attention has been paid by Plant Select, and I've, select, I've, I've commented or recommended it several times. Well, they've got several other areogonums in them. They've got, um, what is it, uh, well, that Cana Creek? Yeah, Cana Creek, the sulfurium. That's com- com- yeah, sulfurium, is that <laughs> Good question. <laughs> I kind of just, my mind went blank there. Isn't, that, not that, isn't Righty Eye in there? In Righty Eye is a white one, which never never really made it very far. Oh, okay. It's, it's very, very pretty. Pure white. And how is it different than, there's another white one. Nivium? No, Righty Eye, no, Nivium is, I don't think it's plant. 
I'd have to check. We can check. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if that's plants like. But anyway, those are all three of those are spring bloomers. No fall bloomers. Except Maybe Coriambosum. Cori- they can put that in there. Yeah, you could. <clears throat> that, that That's a big one. That's a big one. It's a shrub. Yeah, it, it's actually a shrubby woody. It's actually a woody shrub. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've tried that so many times and <coughs> failed miserably every time. I don't know why. I've even cursed at it and it won't do it. <laughs> that won't work either? No. Yeah, I've got... I so think I still have two in my yard, I think. But they've they've been deteriorating over the years. Ah. But out in the wild, oh my God, they are just stunningly gorgeous. Holy Moses. So where do they grow in the wild? Uh, mid to western Utah, straight on I-70. Okay. Right so off the road. Dry, hard It's soils. actually on, on the, I'll call it the ramp, up to the San Rafael Swell. Okay. And if you're familiar with that area, you know where that is. Um, and, they, and it's not just white. No. You get pink ones and red ones. And then they change color as they age well, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, they do. Well, a lot of the argonums do. Blah. Yeah. yeah, that one too. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> I have a... Agastache, Epilobium agastache, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever you want to call it these days. Septentrinalis. Yes. It only gets a couple of inches tall. Yeah. And it doesn't start blooming until September. <laughs> mm-hmm. Stupid plant. But boy, is it pretty. Yeah. Silvery green foliage and then these neon orange red yep. flowers. Yeah, very pretty. Try to find that in the trade anywhere. I dare you. Bunch of, bunch of those out there now. We could use <coughs> Zauschneria. Zauschneria. Yeah, yeah, which is now, I think, epilobium. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> it looks just <laughs> like an epilobium. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I didn't tell people what we're doing here today. We're doing a garden show. We're answering your questions. And uh, we can't start doing that until we get a question from you. And the way mm-hmm. you do that is you pick up your phone or your dialing device or whatever you happen to have in front of you, behind you, or you know, on your head this morning. And put in these numbers, 303-477-2473. That'll get you right in here. And then uh, this guy we call Sean. We're not sure that's his first name, but uh, that's the one he uses. So we'll use it, too. Sean will answer the phone and, you know, and, and chat at you just, just a bit and then put you in the queue. <clears throat> that's uh, C-U-E, or is that Q-U-E? I think it's Q-U-E. Okay. Did you know all words with Q in it have a U following it? The six <coughs> is silence. Yeah. Silent. It's a silent U. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right. So we're, gonna, we're just going to do that this morning. You know what I've been doing? Hello. Because of this colder temperatures we're dropping down into the 40s at night now <laughs> 49 this morning yeah house. 43 later on in the week Jeez, that that's only like 10 11 degrees from freezing i know and that you know that says i better start bringing in some of my i guess extremely tender things yeah from outside for the winter and that means they gotta be bug free they, they, they've got to be you know some good hygiene <laughs> They have to wash their hands before they come in. They do, and and wear a mask. <coughs> okay, but <laughs> no, I, I they got to be cleaned up, and I'm I'm recommending everybody if you haven't started if you've got plants outside for this summer that you want to bring in for the winter, like what he says, like bougainvillea or hibiscus, those are two of the more common ones. But any of the cactus, house plant <coughs> cactus and succulents you put outside, and the geraniums and uh, and the other thing I was thinking, oh, coleus people. Yeah, over one of those. exactly. Uh, get busy cleaning those up. Don't bring them inside and then think, oh, I better take care of any hitchhikers that might have come along. Yeah, you don't want to spray them inside. Do that outside. Yep. Do that outside. Do it now. I like to try to get at least two sprays on them before I bring them inside. Because most sprays don't take care of the, bu- the eggs. Now, <coughs> that'll, that'll do it on aphids. You have aphids, uh, one spray will do them. You don't mm-hmm. have to worry about the eggs on those. But uh, spider mites, yeah, mm. eggs. And white fly, yeah, eggs. White fly. Oh, I hate white fly. <coughs> so I've been using, um, boy, if you want to go after spider mites. And that, that seems to be the bane of my existence in the winter, uh, especially late winter. All of a sudden, the spider mites take off. They do, and you don't notice until three or four weeks too late. Yeah. Or late, anyway. Yeah. 
So um, I like to try to make sure they're as clean as possible before going into the winter, but there's not many miticides left on the market. No. And the one that I've been using is, is made by Bayer, and it's called 3-in-1. Mm-hmm. I buy the concentrate. I don't bother with the ready to use. Yeah. It seems like you're paying for 99% water and oh, easily less than 1% active yeah. ingredient in there. Yep. So um, I buy the concentrate, <coughs> and it has, it has a miticide in it, a true miticide, which is important because spider mites are not an insect. They're an arachnid, which has a different body chemistry, and most insecticides don't eradicate spider mites. And it also has an insecticide in it. Yeah, yeah. And it has a fungicide in it. Yeah. So you kind of cover all your bases. And I get that taken care of. And it doesn't stink. That's a good part. I used to, I used to use a product called uh, Fertilome Evergreen Spray, which is dimethoate. Yeah. And before that, it was called Saigon. <laughs> <laughs> I love the smell of Saigon in the morning. That's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It smelled <clears throat> horrible. Yep. Smelled horrible. Uh, but, boy, did it work. There were those who used to say that uh, unless your insecticide stinks like crazy, it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> well, this Bear 3-in-1 does not smell. And it works great. It's systemic. So you, But I, I use it as a foliar spray. Yeah, I suppose you could use it as a soil drench. Yeah, I imagine there are directions. But I use it as a foliar spray. And uh, make sure you get the underside of the plant, I, yeah. which on some of the bigger plants you have to lay them. I just lay the pot lay on its side. Yep. And spray and just roll the pot <coughs> as I'm spraying. Yeah. And that seems to work pretty good. Um, but other than that, getting them ready, I've already started bringing a few things in, especially the succulents, the really tender succulents yeah. and cactus. But it's kind of depressing. It is. Uh, every time this year, this time yeah. of year. I know, I know. But then you, then you think, well, I get a break for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I just have to take care of all this stuff inside now instead of outside. Hey, look at there. We have callers. We do indeed. Should we do something about it? I would think so. All right. Let's go out and talk to Linda in Lakewood and see what's going on with her. Good morning, Linda. Good morning, fellas. What's going on? Well, I am calling about an orchid that um, you mentioned to me a while back that I should... Uh, well, first of all, the mother plant had a baby. Okay. A kiki. And I repotted that and um and then repotted the mother plant and it is just growing roots like crazy at first we thought it was a flower stalk because it was nice and straight up but then it goes downward eventually okay and what do you where does the flower spike come out if you ever get one approximately the same place the roots come out uh, right between two leaves. Okay. And uh, so if you know where the flower spike was last year, the next one will come up on the opposite side of the plant. Oh, okay. And the, and the next two leaves up. It's been so long ago since it had a flower, I can't remember what. <laughs> well, then it it'll be a up. nice surprise, won't it? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so, okay, so all these things that are growing upward that look like roots, are probably going to turn and, and go down, huh? Yeah, the roots are going to have a green tip, and then be, uh, behind that they'll turn kind of a whitish, silvery white color. Right, uh, you're uh, looking at it. A flower <laughs> spike won't have that silvery white look to it. It'll just be perfectly green all the way back to the plant. Okay. One of the larger ones um, has a, looks like a little bit of a purple on the tip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that means it's growing really fast and very happy. Oh, okay. Well, that's nice. And just know. keep in mind, orchids have no idea what a pot is for. <laughs> their, yeah. their roots might go into the pot. They might, you know, head out into outer space. They, they, just, they just go everywhere. Oh, oh. The, the pot is primarily for our convenience, moving them around. Okay. Huh. So if they don't go into the pot, don't try to force them in because you usually end up damaging the growing tip of the root and then it stops growing. Okay. All right. Well, I sure hope someday we do get a flower spike on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you will. It's Typically they start showing flower spikes in maybe late November, December sometimes, even January because they're, they're spring bloomers. For, okay. the, for the most part, they're spring bloomers. 
All right. So we still have time then. Yeah. Okay. Well, I had another question, but What's that? I can't remember what it was. <laughs> you need to write these things down. Yeah, right? write them down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'll do that next time. Okay. <laughs> but thanks a lot. You bet. Thanks I for your call. I appreciate the info. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Now, orchids are an interesting group of plants. You think they're very delicate, but they're, they're really not. It, it, that, I think, it contributes to their death, thinking that they're delicate. Because then you baby them too much. Yeah. And then they die. And then they die. And if you just kind of ignore them and throw some water on them once in a while, they seem to do just fine. I mean, think about it. These, these, these plants grow up in trees for the most part. The ones that we grow in our homes mm-hmm. and so forth, like the ones you <coughs> buy at King Supers or Home Depot or whatever. Um, they grow up in trees. And monkeys play on them. And snakes and frogs <laughs> and, and jaguars and all kinds of things roam around up there and, yeah. and do all kinds of unspeakable things to these plants. And they're just fine with that. And they deal with tropical storms and yeah. wind and rain and lightning and all that sort of thing up there uh, on those tree limbs. So they're and pretty it, durable plants. Yeah, and we bring them down and then baby them. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they die. Because they're delicate. Well, when they first were starting to collect them, you know, uh, when it became a real craze, I don't know how many hundreds of years ago this started, but they'd, they'd sh- these plant explorers would ship them back to England and then put them in these hothouses mm-hmm. that were just <coughs> sweltering warm because they were trying to create the, what they thought of as a jungle in conditions. And hot, steamy, <laughs> yeah. stagnant air. And these plants were just dying left and right because they don't like those conditions. No. They no. like bright, buoyant, wh- what the books all call buoyant air. Buoyant air. <laughs> <laughs> that always made me laugh. <laughs> but they like a lot of air circulation. They like temperatures that most of us are comfortable in. Once it gets up into the 90s, they don't care for no, that too much. No. They'll survive, but they don't grow as well. And once it gets down, you know, chilly most of them don't do well so you kind of keep that area from 60 degrees at night to 85 during the day that that's an ideal temperature swing and they need to have a they need to have a temperature that goes up and then drops at night at least 10 or 15 degrees and remember buoyant air buoyant air all the time Not girlyant, but boyant. <laughs> boyant. <laughs> All right. All right, yeah. Let's see, where are we at? <clears throat> okay, yeah, Linda remembered her question. What, what's your question, Lin- Oh, just a second. Okay. Uh, Sean is doing some, some technological wizardry in the other room to bring Linda back up. Linda, you there? Yes, I am. What's your other question? Well, I didn't. I wasn't the previous caller, but I was oh. listening about orchids, and I thought, "Oh no, I tuned in too late. I missed the conversation." But I had called um, a couple of weeks ago and had an orchid. My question is: Well, it had six leaves. Now it's down to two. I moved it to the laundry room, and it seems to be doing better. I want to know if I should take it out of that little plastic cup that it's in. It's in that, and then that is in a ceramic container. Well, definitely when you water it, you should take it out of the ceramic container and, and water it in the sink so that you get you know plenty of water running through the pot. And okay. then once it's drained for a few minutes, you can put it back into the ceramic pot. Well, I tried that once, and I think I almost killed it. So How? The dire- it came with directions that said a half a cup per week. And so what I did is I did what you guys said. I took a fourth of a teaspoon of fertilizer and put it in a gallon jug, and then I just poured that out into a half a cup, dumped it in the orchid pot, and called it good. And it was probably sitting in a swimming pool of water in that, in that container that doesn't drain. I don't. I never picked it up to look at the bottom, but this orchid is in moss instead of bark. Yeah, so and it's going to stay wet even longer than if it was in bark. Right. So again, take it out of the container when you water it. 
Mm-hmm. Just just slide that little clear plastic sleeve out of the con- <coughs> the decorative container. Give it a good soak. Let it drain. Drop it back into the decorative container. Then once it's drained, so it's not sitting in water. They hate that. Mm-hmm. And eventually, oh, you will need to take it out of that that plastic pot and put it into a, a regular, you know, normal pot. Okay. Um, With bark instead I of moss. That, should yeah. I put it in bark? <coughs> Take the moss off of it. And I do. It yeah, I I do. I think it's way too easy to overwater them in moss, and uh-huh. um, and the bark has much more aeration, which orchid roots prefer. So um, they grow them that way in the greenhouses because they they know how to control the environment to work with moss. But okay. most of us don't have that. <laughs> I just remembered a friend of mine told me. To do what you said, to stick it in the sink and just soak it up good. And yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe there wasn't any holes in the plastic underneath, but it didn't Yeah, check like the holes in, in the plastic and also check to see if you have holes in that ceramic pot. Okay. Yeah, you do not that want I know I don't have yeah. holes in the ceramic pot. Well, then you got to be really, really careful that no water lies in the bottom of that ceramic pot. Okay, okay. Good enough. Thank you so much. I'm sorry I I missed. No, I'm in the no process problem. of writing my congressman, so I just <coughs> oh. didn't hear you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I, I, to answer your question about removing the moss, yes, when you do repot it, remove all the old moss. And put bark. And, and yeah, do it, uh, <coughs> repot it into a bark mix. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you, guys. You're That's welcome. Awesome. All righty. Bye-bye. Yeah, just, uh, oh, we got to take a break right now, and we come back, um, uh, we'll take more of your garden calls right here on Legends 810. What's your lawn good for? After all that watering and maintenance, is your lawn supposed to be admired like some ancient statue in a museum? No! It's supposed to be enjoyed. It's for you, your kids, grandkids, pets, and friends. You should spend autumn evenings leisurely eating dinner, afternoons watching kids and animals run back and forth. It's a place to have water balloon fights or touch football games. But can your grass take that kind of pounding? Or will it quickly turn to dirt and mud and weeds? You need a lawn that's been engineered to withstand lots of traffic and still thrive in our Colorado climate. You need Colorado's own turf mix. It's a well-balanced blend of award-winning grasses that grow in our sun or moving shade and tolerate heavy foot traffic. The aggressive root system creates a dense, thick turf, perfect for outdoor adventures. Plus, it's insect, disease, and drought resistant. Look for Colorado's own turf mix at these and other fine garden centers. Tagawa Gardens, Jared's Nursery, Wilmore Nursery, City Floral Garden Center. Fall savings is in the air at Nick's Garden Center and Farm Market. Take 40% off of trees, shrubs, evergreens, and perennials. Take advantage of the fall weather and get a head start on planting for next year. Summer produce is in full swing. Our farm market is loaded with fresh fruits and vegetables picked at their peak of flavor. September is time for Colorado apples, pears, winter squash, and fresh roasted peppers. At the end of September, Nix is ramping up their annual fall festival. Choose from thousands of pumpkins, straw, corn stalks, and fall decor. Don't forget to plant some hardy pansies, mums, and fall asters to brighten up your garden for fall. It's also a great time to plant fall bulbs. We have a great selection of tulips, daffodils, crocuses, and hyacinths for beautiful spring color. Nix is located two blocks north of Isla on Chambers Road in Aurora. Also visit us at nixgardencenter.com. Call into the Fix It Show with your questions about your home. Saturday morning at 9.30. Specializing in heating and cooling problems, legendary hosts Deborah and Adam bring decades of experience and award-winning expertise to their live, interactive Fix It Show. Helping your home weather Colorado's unique climate and temperature swings. You have questions, they have answers. Call into the Fix It Show every Saturday morning from 9.30 to 10.30 on Legends. And with that, we are back taking your garden questions on Legends 810 at the following phone number, 303-477-2473. Uh, just a f- little follow-up with our last question about this orchid in a, let's see, a plastic, what do you call that thing, a pot? Like a plastic sleeve almost. Yeah. That then is in a ceramic pot. 
and and seeing pictures of how they grow those probably in thailand someplace mm-hmm. when they were originally yep. grown giant greenhouses not the like greenhouses we have here these are minimally minimal structures just to keep enough to keep the bugs out and that's totally about it. mechanized yeah and i don't know that they use an open hose on anything but i doubt it it's just high humidity and if they use a hose at all it's just kind of spraying wildly yeah. over everything nothing no single item is getting watered as we would water things and uh, and then they ship those plastic sleeves with orchids in them over here and then they're put into ceramic pots right to be decorative right and they don't grow them in ceramic pots no there. not That's at way all way too heavy to be <coughs> shipping across the ocean well yeah and and they just fill up with water and orchids don't like growing in a swimming pool yeah so just those kinds of things. You might wonder, why then do they put them in ceramic pots to sell them? Because they're pretty. Because they're pretty, that's why. <laughs> and they got a great deal on ceramic pots. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's a great thing, you know, as far as putting it on a countertop or, a, you know, any surface. It doesn't get wet uh, from drainage. And it's just to display the plant. Yep. It's, it's not to grow the plant in. So I have a whole collection of decorative ceramic pots and when i have an orchid come into bloom then i can choose the size that fits the pot put it in there bring it upstairs enjoy it for a while and put it back downstairs that's right because it's pretty pretty it's pretty yep exactly yeah i wanted to mention a couple of things uh in an effort to get people to appreciate fall blooming things we try to start off the show with what's blooming in our gardens this time of year a couple things that i really like one it's a silver lace vine that i have it's just pure white now. Mm. It, it, it doesn't have any leaves. If they're <laughs> there, I don't know where they are. Yeah. But it's just pure white and just unbelievably floriferous this time of year. Asters are blooming like crazy yes. in my yard right and now. Yes, yes, yes. <clears throat> and my favorite aster so far, and I mean, I like them all, but <clears throat> one I like is uh, called, the Latin name is Symphotrechum. Sure it is. Yeah. They changed the name from aster to symphotrichum. Why? Oh. Well, mostly because they came with uh, oblongifolium. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the name that you'll see in the garden center will be Dream of Beauty. Oh, that is a good one. That's a good pink one. That's a really good one. It stays wow. nice and low. <clears throat> it does. It stays low, and it actually suckers around just a little bit. Uh-huh. Not much. Yeah. But, boy, it's pretty. And you combine that with that white <clears throat> chrysanthemum, that, that low-growing species chrysanthemum mm-hmm. that some of us have and i can't think of the, la- the latin name for it um it combines really well with that i have a an aster lady in black yeah yeah that's a really nice one and then monk m-o-n-c-h C-H, that's yeah. a great blue really nice thing long blooming so yeah add some asters i mean you don't you don't really see anything but foliage for most of the summer and then in the fall when everything else is sort of falling out of bloom these start up. Yeah, and then the, the foliage essentially just disappears because it's just covered in color. Mm-hmm. And goldenrod. If you, if you need a tall, <coughs> back-of-the-border type plant for fall. A yeah, spiky thing. Look at goldenrod fireworks. Yep. I think it is the best goldenrod there is on the market. Period. It's fantastic. And it's just now coming into full bloom. And, and it if looks you have like an explosion. Perfect place. Vitex is blooming now. No. <laughs> Vitex. You have some Vitex somewhere? No, I don't. <laughs> but I knew two places in my general neighborhood to have it. That's, that's bizarre. Both of them are on the west side against the foundation. Yeah, of course. They'd yeah. have to be. Yeah. Spikes of uh, purpley flowers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big, big spikes. And then, of course, rudbeckias. Lots of different types of oh, rudbeckias yeah. blooming this time of year. The black-eyed Susans is another yeah, name for them. Low-growing perennials, tall ones, yeah, medium-sized ones. All sorts of varieties <coughs> yeah, out there now they really that are. are very dependable for fall color. Sedum, Autumn Joy happens to be one of my favorites, but there's a lot of other varieties on the market yep. that uh, come into flower in the fall, and the bees go nuts over those they do so if you're looking for a pollinator plant for the fall you need to plant the autumn flowering sedums what else is doing really well that's blooming like crazy right now just trying to think of the zauschneria is still blooming the orange carpet is doing a really nice job 
um, uh, Coral Canyon Twin Spur, the Diacea from Salvia Yangii. Salvia Yangii. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, know why I remember that. <laughs> I don't know why you do either, but that's that's uh, what we what is now uh, Russian stage. They've changed the name from Perovskia. Yeah, I like that name. Yeah, is it? That's now, one of them. Yeah. Now it's Salvia Yangia. Yangia. <laughs> anyway, Russian sage. That's just looking gorgeous all yeah. over town. And if it hasn't been sheared into a ball, and and bees love that too. They do. <clears throat> Speaking of shearing into a ball, driving down Jewel Avenue mm-hmm. between. I think it's just east of, east of uh, Wadsworth, <clears throat> Green Gables. Mm-hmm. The big housing, relatively new housing development behind walls. It's one of the walled communities. Okay, you know. gotcha. And uh, lining the street between the <clears throat> between the sidewalk and the wall are whole rows of of um, maple hot wings. Thank you. <laughs> God. We've been doing this too long. I can yeah. read your mind. <laughs> Hot wings maple. And they're been sheared. Oh, dear. And they're perfectly green. Mm-hmm. No red. Yeah. And you got to wonder, <clears throat> the only reason to, <laughs> to grow this plant is so you can see those red seeds. Yeah. I mean, they are dramatic red. They're very dramatic. And if you shear them, it all disappears. It, it does. Then you have to wait for the fall color. That's about the only benefit you get then. What are you going to do? I just, I, w- I was so incensed when I saw that a year or two ago. <clears throat> I found out, not who owned the place, but, you know, who who the Homeowners Association person was. Uh-huh. I wrote them a letter. Did you really? I said, just, <laughs> do you Cut know out. what you're doing? <laughs> you paid really good money for these. Yeah, yeah. And then your crew went out and sheared them. And here's what you're missing. And I sent him a picture of, of one in full red glory. Uh-huh. And pictures of theirs. I said, which do you want? Well, yeah. apparently they want the green ones. They want the sheared ones, yeah. 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 Well. What a shame. Know. What a shame. Well, we've got to get back out to the yeah, phones because yeah. I've got um, Parker <coughs> waiting to talk to us. Good morning, Parker. Good morning, guys. What's going on with you today? Well, I've got a question. I have a number of shrubs I need to plant, and our native soil is completely clay here. And in putting in the backfill, I was thinking about using 40% clay, 40% garden soil, and or 20% uh, potting soil. What do you think of that combination? I would recommend just going with straight compost. I mean, not not as a total backfill, but mix that in with your backfill material. What are you planting? Uh, several different kinds of shrubs. Uh, I've got a boxwood, and uh, I can't think of the right thing. The, the best way to, would be, you're going to put these in a row, I assume. Well, they're going to actually be in a curve trail. Yeah, okay. Uh, would be to dig up that entire, let's say, curve. Uh, not just planting holes, but the entire curve, and mix in with a compost into that really well, mm-hmm. and then plant into that. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't go much more than about twenty twenty five percent compost, yeah. and the rest your native soil. Those those plants have to get used to your soil eventually, yeah, to do well. And if if you really mm. over prepare the backfill in the planting hole. Um, the roots have a tendency to just go round and round and stay in that nice soil and don't really penetrate out into your native soil, and you end up with very drought-prone plants. I sure don't need that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like plant. tough love, but you, you really need to make them get used to your soil. And clay is not – clay gets a bad <coughs> rap, I think. I mean, it, it's, just, it's just tight. It needs to be broken up and get some organic matter into it. But other than that, it's, it's a very fertile – base to use would you recommend putting mic around the dirt ball this time of year oh the mycorrhiza yeah absolutely yeah sure go Uh ahead Mm -hmm. won't hurt anything i don't know that it's going to do anything but go ahead okay well that's my question and thank you very much you bet you bet yeah the mycorrhiza um there's just too many too many possible problems associated with that one is you don't even know that what you're getting is alive. True. 
And I have don't know that I've <clears throat> seen any verifiable research that says if you're going to do this in your yard that it's actually benefiting the plant. Now it does in labs, and it does in greenhouses that are growing and <clears throat> everything is controlled, everything. Mm. Uh, but on your yard, you don't have any control at all once you put that in the ground. True. So I, And guess what? We have mycorrhizae in the <clears throat> soil yeah, already. It, yeah, there's mycorrhizae in the air. You and I are breathing it right now. And eventually it'll find its way in there. But and, and the mycorrhizae that you use or buy at one time, I, I haven't kept up on it, is that you, you were buying one species. Not of, anymore. Of fungus. Not anymore. So now you're buying a bunch of species, but you're, you know, I, I'm not convinced that those are the right ones <laughs> for that plant. <laughs> well, they, what they do, the people who make these things now, <clears throat> is that they, they choose the species that are broadly native across the country. Um, they don't try to be real specific to the region. So I know people who just swear by it, who think it's the best thing since sliced bread. How many of those people have actually dug the plant up and found out? Yep, I have no idea. They have actually, they've actually uh, attached to the roots and are doing yeah. their thing. Uh huh. I don't know of any. Yeah. I, the one product that I know of that does a really nice job, um, what I think is a good <laughs> job of making sure you have live mycorrhizae in, the, in the, what you're buying is uh, one called Mike, M-Y-K-E. And the, most of the garden centers sell this stuff, and it's a powder material that you have to rub onto the root ball. You don't sprinkle it into the planting hole. You actually rub it onto the side of the roots of the, p of the plant before you put it in the ground. And that way you make sure that it comes directly in contact with the root system because that's the way mycorrhiza works. It has to be in direct contact. You can't just risk it and throw it in the planting hole and hope the roots find it before it dies. So... But it's worth it's worth doing some reading about. Some people, uh, some universities have done some studies and really tout it, and, and then others, like Jim was saying, are, eh, maybe. You never know. We shall see. Yeah, I guess I could do my own research at home. Research Put your lab coat on. Of, <laughs> of one plant. <laughs> yeah, it limit my variables. To a point of odd absurdum. absurdum. <laughs> <laughs> the results are totally meaningless. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. We're taking your garden questions at the following number in case you didn't know. 303-477-2473. That'll get you in here. That's right. And I believe Dave is up next out in Denver. Good morning, Dave. Howdy. Good morning, guys. Hey, Dave. What's going on? I planted a so-called lavender twist weeping redbud a year ago. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I I bought it. It was about six, seven foot tall. And it had a real good year. It was leaves all over it. And with that heavy wind Thursday night, it just snapped in half. Oh, no. I mean, it was kind of a smooth snap. It wasn't a splintery type when you'd break wood. And my question is, I think the bottom half will survive, but the top <clears throat> half, which still has a lot of leaves on it, I would like to see if I can get that to root. No. I soak that in water? No. Treatment? No. Put it in your trash right now. It ain't going to work. No chance. Not even a really? little one. No. Huh. That, that's a tough tree to, to, to root cuttings of. I don't know if anybody does it. Yeah. They do grafting, which huh. is probably what yours is. Yeah, and I'm I'm concerned that it broke <coughs> at the graft because typically that lavender twist as a as a standard trunk that comes up that's just a regular red bud, and then yep. the lavender twist part is grafted to the top of that trunk, and if the top oh. part breaks off, then you no longer have lavender twist; you just have a regular old red bud. I see. Well, that makes sense. How clean the the break was. Yeah, that clean that break break was. Pretty close to the soil, wasn't it? No, no it was way up the tree. Yeah. Oh, they're really that. Hmm. They graft them way up there. So they they get the red bud, the normal red bud, just a straight species to grow up and create the trunk, and then they graft to the top of yeah. it to get the height. 
I'd be uh, well. Yeah, if it if it broke right there, yeah, you've lost your lavender twist part of it. You, you still may get sprouting okay. from the the rootstock, which is going to be just your ordinary red bud, which is still pretty. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I won't waste any time on it. Okay. And should you get another one? Uh, did you stake this one? Yeah, I staked it, and that's about where it broke halfway up, where I had the ties. Hmm. Hmm. But the lavender twist part of that was that also staked, or just something below that? It sounds like well, it was staked it, down lower on the stem. Yeah. Anyway, should you get another one, I'd, I'd put a stake in there and make sure that the lower part of the stem is staked as well as the top part of the stake or of the tree is staked. And I'd probably leave that on for a while until it made a very good, strong union. Yeah, ask that if you buy one, uh, when you're buying it, talk to the nursery person and ask them to show you where the graft is. Oh, okay. And that way you'll know exactly. Uh, where the lavender twist is, starts and the just regular old red bud ends. Yeah. Now, normally we'd we'd say uh, take that stake off after a year, certainly no longer than two years. But in this case, I think I might tend to leave it on longer. Just to okay. make sure that the growth uh, between the two uh, actually, two different plants uh, have, has made a very strong union. Okay. All right. What? Well, I, I appreciate the tips. Keep okay. up a good show. You bet. Thank Thanks, you Dave. Much. All right. <clears throat> In so truth, long. I guess uh, a graft unions are always probably the weakest part of the plant yes. anyway. <laughs> yeah. But uh, lavender twist has a it, – it, I don't know of any of them that are grown on their own roots. Uh, because mostly no. because – it would just crawl along the ground. It would never develop yeah. an upright form. And uh, so that's why they grafted onto a red bud. It's faster that way. Standard red bud. Yeah. yeah. And you can get a lot more plants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you are. So there we are, and uh, there's probably a lot more to come, and we'll get to that when we get back from this little bit of a break here on Legends A10. What's your lawn good for? After all that watering and maintenance, is your lawn supposed to be admired like some ancient statue in a museum? No! It's supposed to be enjoyed. It's for you, your kids, grandkids, pets, and friends. You should spend autumn evenings leisurely eating dinner, afternoons watching kids and animals run back and forth. It's a place to have water balloon fights or touch football games. But can your grass take that kind of pounding or will it quickly turn to dirt and mud and weeds? You need a lawn that's been engineered to withstand lots of traffic and still thrive in our Colorado climate. You need Colorado's own Turf Mix. It's a well-balanced blend of award-winning grasses that grow in our sun or moving shade and tolerate heavy foot traffic. The aggressive root system creates a dense, thick turf, perfect for outdoor adventures. Plus, it's insect, disease, and drought resistant. Look for Colorado's own Turf Mix at these and other fine garden centers. Tagawa Gardens, Jared's Nursery, Wilmore Nursery, City Floral Garden Center. Autumn skies and pumpkin pies. Days getting shorter and nights getting cooler. At Lafayette Florist Gift Shop and Garden Center, we've been looking forward to the changing seasons and fall gardening. Pansies, pansies, pansies. It's all about adding this sturdy winter hardy bloomer to your landscape. Don't miss out on one of the best garden plants for Colorado. The colors range from yellow, oranges, to purples and reds, and in a multitude of pot sizes too. Plant them over your tulip bulbs for a spectacular show next spring. Rejuvenate your heat-tired patio pots. Pick up hardy mums, flowering kale, asters, and rudbeckia. And don't forget about your lawn. It's time to fertilize with Fertilome Winterizer. Stop by. We're open daily. Talk with Tanner and his crew. They can help with all your gardening needs. Fall in love with autumn. Come visit us at Lafayette Florist Gift Shop and Garden Center. Located at 600 South Public Road in the heart of Lafayette. Call us at 303-665-5555 or visit us online at lafayettefloristcom We're open daily. 
Do you have weeds popping up in your lawn? Autumn is a very effective time of year to rid your lawn of troublesome weeds, but our weather can be too cold or damp for most herbicides to have any effect. Fertilome has a solution for that. Weed-Free Zone. Weed-Free Zone is one of the few weed killers you can use during the cooler parts of the year. Use it for dandelions, bindweed, clover, spurge and more. You can reseed in two weeks and it can rain just a few hours after you've applied it. Fertilome can give your lawn a weed-free zone that will make you the envy of the neighborhood. Use the product the professionals use. Try Fertilome Weed-Free Zone. You'll find Fertilome Weed-Free Zone at your favorite independent garden retailer, Wilmore Nursery in Littleton, The Tree Farm in Longmont, Nick's Garden Center in Aurora, Lafayette Florist and Greenhouse in Lafayette, Find your closest dealer at Fertilome.com and be sure to tell them the Garden Wise Guys sent you. <clears throat> All right, someone's pointing at me. That means we must be back on the air. And indeed, we are taking your phone calls at 303-477-2473. That's correct. Oh, by the way, you know what today is? Um, it's the first day of Chili Fest at Nick's. Is it cold? Yes, it's oh, cold. So oh, pepper, pepper chilies. Pepper chilies. Oh, okay. That's right. Not the t- kind of chili that you, you know, put in a bowl and sprinkle cheese on top and Ooh. cover with cover with saltines and mm. that sort. Not no, that kind of chili. No, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the chili peppers. Chili pepper fest. <clears throat> that's this weekend at Nick's. So you've got that going on. You've got uh, roasted corn on the cob. The cafe is open, and oh my God, they're making some of the best food. Um, the kettle corn is, that's one of oh my favorite Oh, yeah. Things. They have kettle corn and caramel corn. <clears throat> yeah. I like the caramel corn. The I best. do, too. It's good stuff. It is. And let's see. Um, and then 40% off the nursery and the houseplants. Yes. And they've got a lot of houseplants. Bought a bunch. Bought some kettle corn. Yeah. Was looking for that melon you talked about. Didn't and have it. And it's all gone. All gone. Well, you lied. Year. You lied. It I, I lie all the there. time. You know that. <laughs> it was never there. <laughs> <laughs> they had other. They had uh, all kinds of cantaloupes mm-hmm. from Rocky Ford. Yep. And, they had a uh, whole bunch of produce other area. Yeah. Yeah. Full of stuff. Yeah. So, so head yeah, out it's to a good place to go. Yeah. I, you can eat right out of hand stuff if you want, or go to the cafe and, and they've got and order good stuff. They do. Uh, they've got pumpkins all over the place, and by now they should have their bulbs in. I was told last weekend that we in this this last yeah. week. Um, let's see, <coughs> and corn shocks. Not the kind you yeah. dig in. Yeah, they yeah that's right. They did have those there. And yeah. bales of straw. What I didn't see what they had last year was uh, pampas grass, as you know, one of their big decorative pots. They would usually have pampas grass. They True pampas grass. There are four of them. Oh. In that entryway coming in from the parking lot. I must have had my eyes closed. Yeah. They're they're in full plume right now. The reason I mention that is I was driving west on West Jewel, mm-hmm. and somebody in the southwest corner of their yard had now several-year-old true pampas grass growing there. Well, that's bizarre. And it was the white one. Uh-huh. Normally, that's not hardy here, people. The one no. that you see growing all over <coughs> town that's 8 to 10 feet tall right now and pluming out is Ravina grass. Ravina grass. Everybody calls it pampas grass, but it's not. It's not the true pampas grass, which is uh, technically more like a zone 6 or 7. Yeah, yeah. But there is one, apparently, that is marginally hardy. You may get by. You may mm. cheat. If you cheat, you can make by. Yeah, get by. yeah. Well, that's so, cool. I don't know why that one was growing out in the open. Yeah. I, there might have been a short wall behind it. I don't remember. Yeah. I was just so shocked to see it. I had to do a double take. Yeah, and when you see a true pampas grass, and you compare it to the ravina grass we grow here as yeah. pampas grass, it's quite different. Yeah, very much so. All right, let's get back out to the phones. We've got Keith waiting. To, wait a minute, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> How can I be there? We'll find out. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. How are you, gentlemen? Good. You don't even sound like me. <laughs> Shucks. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Hey, I got a garden, and it's it's coming to an end, and I'm I'm having a lot of spurge and bindweed, and I just heard your previous advertisement uh, for the weed-free zone. Mm-hmm. Yes. Can I use it now? Yes. 
And will it kill even into the spring? No. Well, I mean, no. we, we're going to have winter. It's not going to kill during, you know, 20 below zero, but... Well, and you after, said this, after, you, after you put this down, do you... Can I rototill it? After, after it's done its job, which is usually about... You want to wait about 7 to 10 days. Okay. Yeah. And, and you said spurge and bindweed? Yes. Okay, spurge is an annual, so it's going to die this winter anyway. Oh. You might uh, want to get it out before it goes to seed. It's already going to seed. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but if you can, scrape it off and remove some of the seed. But what's going to come up next year is, is plants from seed. Okay. Now, the bindweed is a perennial, and it comes up from the roots every year. So fall is a wonderful time for controlling perennial weeds. And you could use the weed-free zone. If it's in a vegetable garden area, you could use uh, Roundup. Um, but weed-free zone will work, too. Okay. And what about in the spring? Same thing? Yeah, you won't see spurge then, but you'll see the, the bindweed comes up fairly early. Mm -hmm. well, can you use some sort of a pre-emergence for the seeds then? Yes, you can. Uh, what are you, you going to be <coughs> growing in that area? Uh, I don't know, beans. <coughs> Well, see, that's the no. problem, is that if you put a pre-emergent down to control the seed from coming up, it's also going to stop any seed that you plant. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right, I'll just keep working at it then. Now, uh, Keith, what you can do is you can use a pre-emergent after <coughs> your plants are up and growing. Okay. You know, you plant your beans, or if you're just going to use an area like where you're going to plant your tomatoes and peppers, well, you're going to plant those as plants to begin with. So those areas, you can put down a pre-emergent fairly early because you're just going to be planting plant, existing plants into that area, and that won't bother them. But any place you're going to do seed, you want to wait until the seed is up and growing well before you go through, clean out anything that has come up that you don't like, and then you can put a pre-emergent down. Okay, very good. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much. You bet. Thanks for call. You bet. I have not been able to find any new coneflowers being released. What? I don't know what's going on there. I that know a couple are, are waiting to be released, mm -hmm. and they won't show pictures anywhere until they release them themselves. So I can't, I can't divulge what they are because mm. I don't know what they are. Besides, you get sued. I know. The 728 I have a list of, and I'm, I'm hankering to get that up to. 800. Yeah, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't think 700 was going to happen. That's true. <laughs> or, or 600. Yeah. Or 500. Yeah. Or 400. Yeah. <clears throat> but, yeah, there are that many uh, cultivars of uh, so-called purple coneflower that have been made by man since 1994. I think they're recycling them. <laughs> In fact, uh, I did. I have evidence that at least one company has bought the rights for one, <clears throat> and it had a name already ready to go, and they trashed the name and gave it a new one. Same plant? Yep. plant had already been sold under the old name. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't like it, so they're going to rename it. That was about the time I said, okay, I'm giving up. I'm not keeping track. I can't keep track of that. No. So, but that was the only one I found, so... I picked up the mantle <laughs> and continued <laughs> counting. Okay. All right. <clears throat> well, we're glad that you're persistent. <laughs> yeah. The last, <clears throat> the last one is on Facebook, <clears throat> although it's way down the list by now. It's called Panama Red. Guess what color it is? <clears throat> Red? <laughs> and his companion called Cardinal Crest. Guess what color that one is? Red? <laughs> you're very good at this. I am. You want to take I've over? I've done this for a few years. <clears throat> you want to take, the, take over my mantle? <laughs> no, thank you. No, no, no. All right. Let's see. Well, we got one more caller before the top of the hour. Let's go see what Linda is up to out in Denver. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. Hey there. I am wondering when, I'm wondering when the best time is to get rid of clover in the lawn. Anytime you see it. <clears throat> Yeah, okay, you can you can spray it anywhere from spring, summer, or fall. Fall is a great time for perennial weeds, um, and that's what clover is, is a perennial. Uh, so you could use something like weed-free zone. I would use okay. the liquid spray. And more than likely, one application isn't going to kill it all. You may end up 
having to spray it again next spring. Okay. And then keep All in right. mind that if you've had it in the yard for very long, you know, it produces those lovely little flowers. And those yes. flowers set seed, and the seed drops into the soil, and then it comes up. <clears throat> and the, the spray that ah, you're putting down okay. isn't going to kill the seed. So uh, that seed, uh, how long will clover seed last, Jim? Uh, effectively forever. Effectively forever. Yeah. <laughs> the lifespan of a human being. Okay. And beyond that, who cares? So you can kill the existing plants, but you're going to have seed popping up uh, for the next who knows how many years. Okay. All right, so I could just sort of spot treat exactly. Okay, all right. Oh, that sounds great. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for calling this morning, Linda. You bye 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 bye. As opposed to those people who plant clover in their lawns on purpose. Yep. And there's some environmental reasons that people like to do that. Clover is a nitrogen fixing legume that helps put nitrogen into the soil. It also produces flowers, which are good for bees. And, and, and good for stings on the bottom of your bare feet. Exactly. That's where I was going next. <laughs> <laughs> my, my dad, in his infinite wisdom, when he was a young man and he had a new house, he seeded the entire backyard to clover, only clover. Only clover. Only white Dutch clover. We, we the kids we could not use the backyard during the summer. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> could not use it. Just too many bees. I don't think my dad put clover in, but it was there anyway. I was going to say from a previous owner, no, because it was a field before that. So it, who knows how it got there? But it was there, and uh, you know, kids don't wear shoes during the summer. No, ever. And <laughs> we we get stung. And yes, it would go right through your feet in August and September when your feet were already hardened off. It would still sting right yeah. through it. And even if you did wear shoes, if you were out there running around or playing, the bees oh, were... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you fell down on top of a bee, <coughs> you knew it. Yeah. And you knew when your younger brother got his first sting, the world was coming to an end. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not. <laughs> and the rest of us are kind of looking at him and saying, you'll go away. No. Yeah. yeah, I know it hurts, but come on, buck up. <laughs> Unless you're allergic to them. <laughs> and then you can't buck up. Oh, uh, dear. <clears throat> well, I'm not because I continue to get stung. Not and by, not by, not by uh, um, clover visiting bees because I don't have any clover, but... Uh, Lots of other stinging insects. Well, my my dad's solution <coughs> was to mow. <coughs> well, okay, I'll just go mow the yard, yeah. and then you kids can go out there. <laughs> well, he, when you when he'd mow the yard, he didn't catch anything. <laughs> there was no cat grass catcher on no, the mower. No. So guess what? All those flowers were still laying there. Yeah. <laughs> and the bees didn't care care whether they were attached to the plant or not. Yeah. They were there. Anywho, a story from childhood. What can I say? Speaking of mowing, I had my mower into the into the mower hospital here over the Uh-oh. past week. Yeah, it just uh, the blade would just stop cutting, and I said, "This isn't right." And I don't know what the problem is. I changed the oil, changed the spark plug, you know, did all the kinds of things you're supposed to do. Didn't do anything, so I took it into the mower hospital. Uh huh. <laughs> okay, and they tore it apart. Apparently, over the years. Lawn grass, the cut grass, had gotten up underneath the cowling that's underneath the, the mower. Okay. I don't know how it gets in there. I have no idea. But enough but enough of it got in there, it just slowed down the, not the blade, it slowed down the axle. That the the axle, attached. okay. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Yeah. They, so they just took all that grass out and it works just fine. All right. You would think... <clears throat> You would think things would last longer than 35 years. Wow. That's how old this thing is. Man. Okay. All right, guys, we have to get out of here. Junk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, and, and, and you'll get really actually very little. It's, it's one of the shortest breaks in record is on, on our show between the two hours. So uh, stick around. We'll be back really quick right here on Legends 810.